Hello and good morning, my friends. Welcome to Rising Design Africa, uh, the monthly podcast bringing together design and technology enthusiasts uh, want to create meaningful digital services for the African continent. The goal of this podcast is to showcase the impact of design, notably on the primary, uh, secondary and tertiary sectors on the African continent, mostly through case studies and success stories. My name is Aziz and uh, I have been working in incubation for a few years, supporting entrepreneurs and uh, digital talents. On this very first episode, I'm happy to welcome one of the lead advocates of UI, UX and human-centered design in Africa, Yann Lebeu, who's also in Africa, clearly a pioneer. How are you, Yann? I'm really good. Thanks for having me, Hadid. My pleasure. Um, so Yann is the co-founder of uh, Nukes, a Pan-African research and design company, the goal of which is to create digital products and services adapted to the African context. So the topic for this first episode is to understand why is user experience and design becoming increasingly important in Africa? Um, my first question is a traditional question. What does UX mean for you and why is it important for the African continent? Mm-hmm. So thanks for having me, Aziz. Um, well, well, I guess it's a very, I mean, you find definition of, of UX on, on the web, but I guess it's a very personal one that, that I want to give you. For, for me, it means making sure the the people their behaviors their needs uh, the usage of digital technology is being reflected in a product and services that we've built for them uh, to, to make you like uh, to give you a simple comparison is like for local food or local clothes uh, we need to to use what we can produce locally uh, and this is actually what we would like to build for digital and for me having a localized user experience is that being able to build digital products and services uh, that people on our continent can really uh, take ownership of uh, and this is why the, the, we want to build that too. So having heard that, tell me a little about the story of Nukes, why you felt it was necessary to create uh, this company based on these values. Well, to, to be honest, it was mostly a meeting of people, a meeting with my two co-founders, Camille and Daniel, who, who then were designers. I, I was not educated in design almost at all. We directly saw the impact in Ghana because we, we've seen and met a lot of uh, amazing engineers on this continent. Uh, we're kind of a little bit frustrated because a lot of the products that they've been developing well very well in terms in terms of technology, but not super adapted sometimes to the customer, mm-hmm. and they didn't even take the time to go and speak to the customers. Uh, and so we started uh, having free workshops for the community of entrepreneurs of developers. Uh, and little by little, you know, we, we, we got the idea that probably we should structure that into a company uh, to increase our impact uh, and, and start sharing more about those, those practices. But, but it came really along the way with this meeting with these uh, two amazing people. That's uh, fascinating. And you, you're doing this, you're starting this business um, in Africa, the continent that's at a very specific stage in, uh, in, in its development in terms of technology in general, but of design in particular. How would you evaluate the maturity of the African markets uh, when it comes to user experience design mm-hmm. and how do you see that evolving uh, in, say, the next couple of years? Well, f- first of all, maybe, maybe why we found it's very important in the continent here is that uh, you don't have a lot of people that are digital literate. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people here are our first users of technology in general. So it's very new for them. So, so they don't have the time to, to learn all that uh, as we mm-hmm. could have in, in other parts of the world. So it's very important to make sure the products are well designed and easy to use for them. 
Second, you still have a lot of people who can't read. You cannot read in French, in English, or anything. So you need to make sure your user experience is even more adapted and easy to understand and to use. Uh, third, connectivity. Connectivity is still an issue across the continent. And obviously, it impacts the user experience. So you need to make sure all you built and you designed is well adapted for those local constraints. Uh, and at, at the end of the day, most importantly, people's behaviors are very different here. And not on, on this African continent, but on each region, each population, each city, mm -hmm. each neighborhood. So it's very important that we have this approach of looking very locally on how we can uh, adapt those products here. And, and this is why we believe it's going to have a, a huge impact. Something important, and, and we, we see that in our company, we, we do a lot of research uh, because sadly, maybe we don't have a lot of data on our users. So nobody really knows how people behave and what they do. So, so what we do at Lux, actually, we have a very large research team that spend a lot of time understanding people, their behavior, the need that they really have, so that we can really adapt uh, the, the services and product to, to their uh, way of working and thinking. And this is what we, we do. Uh, going back to your first question regarding the maturity, uh, th that's a really good one. I think it's a, it's a nascent uh, topic and field uh, over the continent. We, we know few companies like us, but definitely not, uh, not enough. Uh, this field really started blowing up you know, in the Western world like maybe four or five years ago. So it's still pretty new. Uh, but I think companies are starting right now to, to understand the, the benefits. Uh, and on one side, you have the company that are in a very uh, structured and competitive market that really see the value of user experience to be more competitive and to make sure uh, that they provide an experience to their user that is very different uh, than the experience that their competitors providing. On the other side of the spectrum, you will find a development organization, for instance, that used to do things uh, for 60, 70 years uh, the same way. Uh, and actually, a lot of that didn't work well. Uh, and they tried to change the paradigm and they're asking themselves the question, how oh, can I involve more my users and my beneficiaries uh, into the building itself of the program and the services? And, and this is why th those people, even if they are less interested in the impact of digital, are super interested in the way we can onboard user and people into building the service, uh, services and product. Uh, and this is what we call human-centered design. And actually, uh, you, you see a lot actually of development or organization jumping onto the product space. My friends, if you like what you hear, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now on our website, risingdesign.io. That is risingdesign.io. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Numerous digital transformation projects, notably for telecom operators and for fintechs. Can you share some key takeaways working in those industries? Sure. Uh, and thanks for that question. Uh, we, we learned a lot. To, to, to be honest, we, we, we're very young in this field. We, we have four years of work behind us. So, so we keep on learning. But, but um, we, we worked a lot with the telecom operators uh, in Senegal, in Cote d'Ivoire, in, in Rwanda, in other countries, um, and also with uh, fintech startups uh, that are pan-African right now. So, so what strikes us, you know, is that outside of the UX UI work you, you can do for them, and that's our role, we pay for that. Uh, and that's great, but, but I think first of all, what was very interesting is that you see uh, a change in the way people uh, work together. Uh, and I think bringing a design methodology uh, into a new company, you cannot just bring your methodology and go away. You really have to think about how you're going to structure the teamwork 
and actually uh, break the silos that already exist in those companies. And I think that was a side effect that could be very uh, surprising for some companies, challenging sometimes to manage, but also very powerful. Because once you get used to working uh, as teams very fast on, on ideation, on, on solving problems all together, I think that's very powerful for our company. Uh, second, what we learned is that it's very important for us as designer to be involved in the thinking around the business model uh, of those solutions. Uh, because you cannot just create, uh, for instance, we, we work on a project uh, on the TV, build a TV app uh, for Cote d'Ivoire. You, you cannot design this product if you don't know how the people are going to be able to pay uh, for, for the video content they're going to they're gonna have on, on this app. Uh, and so being able to use your design methodology also to look around the business models, and then after building an experience that is coherent, consistent, and relevant for the business model and the user, uh, is very interesting and, and impactful. Notably, because the business model we see around the African continent are very different. For for instance, there we're talking about how can you pay a movie for let's say ten minutes using your mobile money, or how can you pay uh, a Nigeria type of content uh, where all the Niger movie you can buy the type of bundles for, for those. Uh, and, and I think that's very interesting to, to look at those business models. Um, third, and, and I think it's also a very new topic, we're going to talk uh, some of that you know, in the following podcast, but product management. Uh, product management is a, is a key new topic as well that obviously we address in UX because it's uh, very impactful in the way teams work. Uh, but we've been able to, to work and, and discuss and assist in some cases a lot of our clients on the way they organize their, their product management. Uh, and, and I think that's interesting uh, because uh, obviously the teamwork is different here than any other part of the world. So you have to adapt also your processes. Uh, but, but if it's well done, you, you find you know, that the companies are very powerful. Uh, and what's pretty new and, and uh, also for a lot of those companies that right now using uh, the right product management process and the right KPIs, we are able to really measure the impact we can have as designer. Uh, and this is what we love, you know, it's not about making something beautiful, uh, it's something, it's about making something that works well uh, and also that you can measure at the end of the day. You really have KPIs on adoption, on, on churn, on retention, uh, and at the end of the day on revenue uh, or the usage of the beneficiaries. Uh, and these are the things we were pretty happy about. Fascinating. And then going almost 180 degrees, on the other side of that spectrum, you also work on a lot of agricultural and rural projects. How is your team engaging in design research and improving UX in those specific contexts? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, very other side of the spectrum because you, you're going to be talking with beneficiaries that are not going to be used to digital, so sometimes uh, illiterate in the language that you use. Uh, so, so, I mean, fascinating for us because we learn a lot uh, and I think uh, we still have to be aware that 80% uh, of the population of this continent could be represented uh, in this population. And, and if you are a developer or designer, you should really make sure you understand that the people you're designing for are not as you. You know, they're not being used to technology, so sometimes they cannot read. So it's very important to take that in account. That being said, for us, what works really well is actually uh, to train local design. For us, it's very important that it's not someone from Dakar that's going to do the research everywhere, uh, especially like me if you're a foreigner, you know, it's very important that you hire and that you train Senegalese designer, Ghanaian designer, Rwandan designer, uh, so that you really can have people who understand the context, the local languages, uh, and can help you really uh, design a better product. Uh, 
After that, what we found, you know, was very fascinating in those region and powerful is using uh, pictograms and icons uh, mm -hmm. so, so that you can really be able to to share or, or an experience can work or an app can work uh, in a visual way. Um, but, but for that, you know, we were really surprised, you know, by some uh, feedback we had showcasing different icons. So we did, uh, it was in Zambia two years ago, we did testing of different icons and we're so surprised that the people could not see the same thing as we would see in, in those icons. For instance, we'll show this icon uh, uh, of a dollar bill that is very used in, in lots of apps to, to mean payment. And the people would tell us, this is a smartphone. Because first of all, <laughs> they've never seen a dollar bill. <laughs> and second of all, they've never seen a smartphone either. So they, they would, this would be the picture they have of a smartphone. Uh, we, we the same thing, you know, you, you see this little bell that you see as an icon for notification. Mm -hmm. For them, a bell it relates to a cow because you, you, you see the bell <laughs> on, the, on the neck of the cow and you know they couldn't understand why on an app you you would put uh, you would put a, a bell meaning a cow so so it was really interesting for us because they were telling uh telling those things and the meaning that they found behind those icons they were telling actually stories to us and stories about their daily life and and the things that are important and matters to them and, and that was really interesting and so then do they come up with the, their own icons or do you try to explain to them uh, actually the, the idea is that to, to have an iterative process again mm -hmm. uh, and, and you start bringing new icons that you think could be more relevant or they understand better uh, and, and little by little you make sure the icons you have on your different prototype and it was done in a matter of days you know like we will come back you know at night uh, designing rapidly on our software and the next morning we'll show uh, again you know new interfaces with new icons so that you can really validate uh, what, what they really understand and uh, and, and rely uh, relate yeah so one thing that strikes me uh, when listening to you is just the variety of projects that you guys are willing to take on and just all the different sectors and you're working with telecom one day and then the next day you're working with agriculture in rural areas um, how, how do you manage uh, all that variety and all these different uh, different contexts? Mm -hmm. that, that's a that, that's a key element. Well, first of all, I think we are all very curious in, in the team, mm -hmm. and we, we want to learn so much that that we love you know jumping in new type of environment and, and project. Uh, second of all, we, we want to have an impact, and, and uh, we we lucky enough today to be able to choose the, the people and organization we can work with. Uh, so that you know we can really select not only the, the domain but really the, the type of organization and if they can have an impact uh, and whatever sector they are in if they can have an impact that's interesting to us the way we do that is first of all to have a structured process you know it's not uh, you arrive and magically things happen you, know, you have a structured design methodology uh, that actually you can find on our website as well the UX process that is a mix between user experience design process and human centered design process uh, and actually this, it, it's a process, it's good, but it's just a toolbox. And, and the tools that you find in it, uh, you can use them depending on, on, the, on the case that, that you have. Second, it's very important in your team to find the people uh, who have the right profile for the right steps of this methodology. For instance, having people who have more like an anthropology or sociology background for the research phase. Uh, some people who have more like a data analysis market research. For some of the people who are concerned about analyzing and making sense of those data uh, and at the end of the spectrum designers you know who can build digital products and talk with developers who, who are more into the the digital world uh, and it's very important to, to have those people who can work together to those different projects 
And we start right now after two or three years of hiring and training those, your, those people very young because there is no school on the continent, so you have to take people who are just curious about it. We found that some of them say, hey, you know, me, my favorite topic is healthcare. Or me, I really like fintech. Can I do more of those projects? Uh, and this is how you start creating verticals with people who are very interesting in, in specific domain, and then you bring even more value to, to your clients and partners. So many of our listeners are going to be freelance designers, entrepreneurs starting really their agency. Uh, in three years, Vix has grown from a team of well, really one to then five uh, to then 30 plus based in Senegal and, uh, and, and Cote d'Ivoire. Can you share some tips of just growing a team of designers and researchers like that? That, that that's a tough one, Aziz. <laughs> <laughs> and I must admit a lot of it, like maybe, I don't know, 80% is due to luck. So, mm. so any tips I can give, you know, don't take them too seriously because it, it's a lot of luck. Uh, we, we've been indeed working for, for the three of us as co-founder for almost a year before starting uh, hiring someone. We made a lot of sacrifice, not paying ourselves and keeping all the money into the company so that we can make sure we can hire uh, more people along the way, train more people. So it was kind of a sacrifice. Uh, and I think that's the first tips I can give, you know, is that if you have good people around you and you want to do projects with them, make sure right at the beginning you, you make it clear you know how much money you want to earn and how much money you want to keep for the company. Uh, because if you keep all the money for yourself and divide it as soon as you have a client, you're not going to keep any money in the company, you're not going to be able to invest and to train and then to grow. And that was key uh, for us because still today we're not the higher salaries in our company, we have people who are much uh, higher paid than us and that's very important to us because we want all together to grow. The, the more client, the more interesting project we do, the more the entire company grows. So, so that's the first thing. Uh, second thing I think and that was very important for us uh, as the company started in Senegal is to be able uh, to not be shy, you know, going to, to English-speaking countries to communicate in English so that we can really show the value of what we can provide to people speaking English uh, in English-speaking Africa. Uh, and, and I think that was interesting because actually there is a demand over there as well. So, so it was not easy at the beginning because we had to onboard, make sure we had people who speak English in the team uh, and not easy for anyone, but, but, but it worked pretty well. Uh, and third aspect, I think, you know, obviously we, we, we're young and we are in a small country, so we need to find ways uh, to communicate with people and to train people in other countries. Uh, so that we make sure we can provide value not only in Senegal but in a lot of countries that we can cover either by our own teams but also by partners that we can find and it's uh, it's a lot of opportunity and, and meeting with people that you like and, and they, they share the vision and passion for, for this field and then together you go on a journey uh, so it's definitely more opportunistic than like a really strategy we try to, mm. to roll out on, on the African continent it's still a lot about meeting the right people that segues perfectly into my last question. Is it easier to work in Anglophone Africa uh, on the things that you're working on than to work on in Francophone Africa? I would say it's, uh, it's almost the same. You, you just have to adapt uh, the, the, the people that you put in front of your client and in front of your beneficiary, obviously. Uh, but we don't see much differences. In terms of revenue per globally, it's, uh, it's almost the same. It was excellent. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much for joining the podcast and for shedding so much light on what it's like uh, to grow a uh, UX design company uh, in, uh, in this part of the world. Thanks uh, for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. 
Thank you so much for joining us, our friends, on this first episode of Rising Design Africa. We really invite you to visit our website, risingdesign.io, that is risingdesign.io, where you can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud. That way you'll never miss the coming episodes. And while you're at it, a rating on SoundCloud to prove how valuable the show is to you will be greatly appreciated. Be sure to tune in uh, on our next episode with our special guest, Max Smith, the project manager of Luca a market research service dedicated to SMEs in Africa. It'll be a fun one to do as well. Thank you to the great production team, um, Salif, Gustav, Mamlo, for a lot of fun. Stay tuned and uh, see you soon for our next episode. Bye-bye.